All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fuck Nicks? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all the WTF family. Everyone in and of it. Everyone listening to it. I, I want to say, I don't, I don't really want to say Happy New Year, but I'm going to say it because that's what we say. Here it comes. How about that? Hey, it's, it's, the, it's January 1st. Yeah, here it comes. Here it fucking comes, man. I hope you're okay. I hope you had a nice time. I hope you didn't get COVID. If you did get COVID, I hope you're getting through it. I hope you got your booster shot because despite what dum-dums say, it, it seems to help everybody. Uh, but yeah, so it's 2022. And today we have the Smothers Brothers on. I, I sat with both Smothers Brothers. I just got lucky. It was an interesting thing because we did the episode with Cliff Nesteroff and David uh, Bianculli. Uh, it was episode 1278. It's called Cancelled Comedy. And we talked to Cliff about how people have been complaining since the beginning of modern comedy that you can't say anything anymore. And every time it winds up not being true. And then David uh, Bianculli talked about a situation where two comedians were actually canceled, fired actually, because of the things they were saying, things that were bothering the TV network that aired their show. That was the Smothers Brothers, and after we had that conversation with David, we were in touch with the brothers' representatives. Tom and Dick live in different parts of the country, but it turned out at the beginning of December, they were both going to be at Tom's home in Northern California. So it made sense for me to hop on the plane, get up there to Sonoma County to have a talk with them, which I did. It was great. It was great to meet Tom and Dick's mothers, and uh, a real honor. So that's coming up for you. It's coming up for you. Whoa, hold on, hold on. Guitar falling, hold on. What the fuck happened here? How the fuck did this happen? Jesus fucking Christ. Anyway, heading into the new year for me, look, I, I didn't make a big deal out of anything. I didn't make a big deal out of the holidays. I didn't, I just let them go. I did, you know, I cooked some nice dinner. I hung out with my friend Kit, you know, I, I did stuff, but I didn't do anything, really. I just hunkered down or did comedy and whatever. But it was not a great few days. I got to be honest with you. The last few days were not a great few days. A lot of revelations came by virtue of the way they usually come to me. Through panic, fear, concern, worry. But both of my cats got sick at the same time. Buster starts puking. Bad puking. Like nothing in him anymore puking. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And all of a sudden, fucking little Sammy, simple Sammy, is fucking puking all over the place. He can't hold his shit down. I'm like, what the fuck happened? I don't know what happened. What did they both eat? What did they both, what, it's got to be related, right? All this to say, I am so happy I don't have children. I, I am definitely not the guy for children. I just don't have the patience. I'm mad at these cats for being sick. I'm mad at myself for having cats. I feel terrible for them. There was so much, you know, fun and love and they were so cute and all that just goes away. And then my entire life for some reason becomes destabilized. It's ridiculous. And I'm crying like an idiot. You get attached to these animals or at least you have a relationship with them that is fairly consistent until they fucking get sick. So that was my new year. 
the revelation was I've got to put things into perspective. I've been through the loss of cats and people before. That's not even what's happening here. But the catastrophic thinking, it just opens up to everything, everything, the future, the world, as things are now, me, my life, my fucking predicament, everything is hinging on these cats acting like they're supposed to and not being sick. Got to turn that around. Thank God I didn't have kids. And my heart goes out to you if you got them. I can't imagine if I had two fucking kids in the house throwing up everywhere. But at least kids can talk if they're old enough to talk or you can get some sense of things. You can't make a fucking cat eat. Can't make a cat drink. Can't make a cat do anything. God. Happy New Year. Is that what I, I mean, That's what I meant to say. Happy New Year. We'll see what happens. Sammy seems to be out of the woods. I don't know what's going on with Buster. My God, though, just the cortisol. To think that I dealt with this every day with Monkey and LaFonda for years, the panic, the cortisol, the fucking like, is he dying? Is he? I don't have the temperament. I'm not loving enough to be like, it's okay. It's okay. And, and, and then all of a sudden Buster kind of turned around a little bit today, but like, I really have to fucking relax and focus or else I'm like, come on, let's get, let's do the fluids. Let's do the fluids. And another thing that happened, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with a movie. I don't even know where it came from. I'd never heard of it. It's called The Visitors. Ilya Kazan. All right? It's a movie that was made in 1972. Now, Ilya Kazan, Splendor in the Grass, A Face in the Crowd, Baby Doll, East of Eden, On the Waterfront, Viva Zapata, A Streetcar Named Desire, Panic in the Street. I mean, this guy was a big Hollywood director. I think he named names as well, but that's another story. But the thing is, this movie by that big Hollywood director was made in 1972, The Visitors. Now, I'm a 70s movie guy. You know, 70s movies, anti-heroes, darkness, you know, uh, grainy, raw. I never heard of this movie. Maybe because it was made by Ilya Kazan. I don't know. Because he's not really a 70s movie maker. But this movie is odd. It's James Wood's first movie. But this is 1972, and it's taken from the same story that Casualties of War is taken from. Incident on Hill 192 from the New Yorker magazine became the book Casualties of War. Since 1972, and Chris Kazan, this is the son of Ilya Kazan, writes this movie based on the same story that Casualties of War is based on with Michael J. Fox, a De Palma film, Sean Penn. Shot on 16 millimeter film at the family home in Connecticut. It is a menacing, dark, morally challenging movie. It is one of the best, quote unquote, 70s movies I've ever seen. I've never heard of it. If I wasn't watching the Criterion channel or looking at Ilya Kazan's movies out on there, and I'm just like, The Visitors, what could that be? 1972. My question is, how? what was the story behind this movie? And I'm trying to reach out to the, to the family. Like, I try, I'm trying to... <laughs> I just want to know what the backstory is on this movie because Chris Kazan passed away at some point. Not He didn't live very long. In his 50s, I think. The writer. He only wrote this one thing, I believe. Ilya Kazan was the great American film director who shot this thing on 16 millimeter in the family home with James Woods. You know, this dark fucking story about a guy who is living at his girlfriend's father's place in the main house, the old man's down in the guest house. He's a vet from World War II, and he's a writer of Western stories, and they're not married, and uh, they have a kid. 
And the backstory on him is that he was the guy that turned in the guys in his unit who kidnapped a teenage Vietnamese girl, took her as a prisoner and and raped her. He didn't. He turned them in. And uh, two of those guys come up to visit after they get out of jail. That's the setup. And it all takes place in this fucking house or on the property. I can't even be, I cannot stop thinking about the movie, but I want to know what was it? Was it like, did, did Chris Kazan say, I've got this screenplay and Ilya, they were just sitting at home. He's like, oh, let's just shoot it here. How, how did it happen? This fucking thing is a masterpiece of 70s cinema and I have never fucking heard of it or seen it, but I don't know much. Maybe I just missed it, but I'm telling you right now, it's there. It's on the Criterion channel. It's gnarly. And it is just a devastating, intense movie of that period. I want to know the backstory. I've got no information and I'm fascinated. If anyone knows the book that it's in, please tell me. Okay, man. So look, the Smothers Brothers, how can you tell them apart? How can you tell them apart? That's the big question. So here's what you do. If you want to keep track of who's who in this talk, you'll hear Dick jump in around one minute into the talk, to the talk you're about to hear, and he refers to his brother as Tommy. And then he talks about Tommy by name a few more times. So you can keep the voices straight at that point. All right? All right, that's my, that, that's my, uh, my primer, my, my helpful announcement. Uh, I also want to mention they're planning live performances this year. Dates are up in the air right now because of COVID, but we'll let you know when they announce the schedule. And thanks to the folks at Northern California Public Media, where we recorded this episode. This is me talking to Dick and Tommy Smothers up in Sonoma. I think I'd rather get the clap than COVID, you know? <laughs> at least I had some fun. That's doing right. It. Yeah. With an experienced yeah. person. You, you remember when it happened, at least, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Sometimes they get you while you're sleeping. Uh, what I was going to be honest with you about was that uh, it's not it's not too easy to find the old stuff on YouTube. And you can find everything on YouTube. Are you guys managing that? Did you guys tell it? Did you shut it down? No, different. we're all over the place. Some people grab stuff from... Uh, from bi- from their TV sets, yeah, from the from TV the sets and uh, videos. Yep. You see, Smother Brothers co- uh, mentioned one of our pieces or the Comedy Hour. Then the whole, you know, the litany of, of threads come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most of the stuff from the early, but our early show was we weren't that good. Later <laughs> on, and our act got we got better. It was hard to. We're not good at doing other people's written lines. Well, that uh, that was a problem early on, right? Yeah, it's still a problem. Tommy never could follow directions. It's nothing personal. Yeah. Yes. Actually, he agreed with the right-wing assholes, uh, <laughs> but he couldn't follow directions, so he <laughs> said, it's easier to be a liberal. I think I'll be a liberal. <laughs> There's a little more room. There's more room. Yeah, yeah, yeah to, to, to make mistakes. It's kinder, to, yeah. gentler way. Well, I thought you were pretty tight. The one thing I did watch uh, was uh, that, that first Jack Benny appearance. Mm-hmm. And it was like that was uh you it was so that, funny and that so that was funny yeah it was so tight like and I forget because I'm like I was born in sixty three uh-huh. right but I I always had a, a, a tremendous amount of admiration for all the old timers growing up and Jack Benny was like to to take the time that he took to get a laugh it was unbelievable boy his timing it's just stretching it out 
And you did that too, though. You guys did it they too. They were the same style. One time, Jack Benny, for the old people who don't know what he did, yeah. something would happen and he would just do nothing, but they'd turn, take yeah. a 180 degree turn away yeah. with no change of expression and come focus. Back. Tommy would still be waiting for him to come back. <laughs> <laughs> So they had this game sometimes. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it was like a three-beat turn. Like it's like a like almost a three-beat take all the way around. Then the hand comes up. Johnny Carson really admired Jack Benny a lot. Too. I know. Yeah, there was a little bit of his. He used those right. little the slow head turn takes. The are, takes. Yeah, his timing was wonderful. I was watching you last night, and uh, I texted my producer. I said, "You know, Bobcat Goldthwait is doing Tommy." How do you yeah. mean? Well, I mean that like they're, you know, that sort of like almost like excited, uh-huh. childlike, you know, timing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I mean, he goes a little overboard, but it's still that same kind of uh, a thing. There is a, like a, a, an excitement, a, a, a sort of uh, innocence to it, a seeming innocence to it. At one time, it was, we had 50, 51 years. Yeah. Uh, but in the middle there, I said, you know, I was one of the first yelling comedians. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Did not. Mom liked you, bitch. You, you, oh, oh, yeah. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. what I mean. Is I could see it in him. You know, yeah. I could yeah. see that. Well, Don Novello, Father Guido Sanducci yeah. from Saturday Night Live. Uh, he always used that accent. Yeah. And he's a little dyslexic, like I am. Yeah. And uh, so it gives you when you talking in an accent and you have to search for some words. Yeah. So it gives you an opportunity, your brain to come up with a thing and yeah. mine, mine was going to be slow-witted which was really I was searching yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and it was mistaken for great timing <laughs> so he was really not your timing we, is immaculate it's perfect <laughs> and he just didn't know what he was going to say yeah. oh. but you have to not know what you're going to say with a certain degree of talent because there's no self-pity no pity yeah they would wait for Tommy to, and he would be very positive about whatever he, he arrived at when he arrived at it and that's what a little kid does oh sure that's that's right mom no I don't I didn't have a cookie the, the cat ate the cookie I took the cookie from the cat yeah 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 bad cat you know Mark you know? after we had done we did some theater after we were fired yeah. Oh, after uh, after this, CBS uh, late sixty yeah, nine. That was 60s. about ten years into our career. Twenty years in our yeah. career. And uh, yeah. so we did some dinner theater and then did a Broadway show. Uh, but during that time, I started watching daytime television, mm. which was I was seeing a lot of Laurel and Hardy and Abbott Costello, mm. and I kept noticing that that since we were turning out to be a team with guitar and bass, but I noticed that it was the real strength of their act was the straight man. Yeah. And with Bud Abbott was just incredibly a wonderful straight man, just so mean and unforgiving. Yeah. And without without him, but Lou Costello had just been an overweight, yeah, sweaty guy spinning yeah, around. Yeah, Five spinning minutes around. and you're done with him. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. Uh, yeah. and Dickie and I said, straight man. I said I was looking at how much in the conversation, in the routine, the straight man did most of the talking. Mm-hmm. And what the same way with. Uh, uh, Ronan Martin. And sure. So Dickies, Dickies kept more and more to the point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't shut him up. <laughs> but it made a huge difference for yeah. the comedian yeah. not to be carrying everything all the time. Yeah. And then I would start mugging and doing things at certain Very parts physical. of the career that, yeah. that I was kind of embarrassed about. You know, the best things, the best things that happen in medical breakthroughs are accidents. So many things scientifically 
philosophies are yeah. accidents. Sure. And we accidentally. I think LSD was an accident. Yeah. Yes, it was for something yeah. else. And birth control yeah. was to get the women pregnant. Really? Yes, it was. I didn't know that. Yeah, because as soon as you stopped taking the pills, you were pregnant. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't, and you weren't, but my no. wife was. Yeah. That's my second <laughs> child. Anyway, uh, we accidentally were doing improv before we knew the word. We didn't know it. All we said is we make things up. At that time, Nichols and May were the hottest things in showbiz. Great, yeah. They, they were from Second City, helped build the whole improv thing that fed Saturday Night Live, all the improvisational comedians. Yeah. They were actors, not one-liners like uh, sure. Joan, uh, not joke, Joan Rivers. Uh, not and, joke know, slingers. They were actors yeah. because you're thinking on your feet. Right. And if you realize all life <clears throat> is improv. Of course. I took dance. When people came in for the first time to a dance studio, said, I don't know how to dance. You're walking, aren't you? You're walking with rhythm. <laughs> you do. You've been dancing your whole life. When That's you started, we... though, you started as musicians in earnest, right? I mean, it was... <clears throat> we, we wanted to be a... a, a I yeah. wanted to be a band leader. <clears throat> you wanted to be a band leader? Yeah, Tommy the band leader. And my yeah. first band was uh, uh, in uh, was it fifth grade. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. there was a guy who played clarinet. One kid played piano. Yeah. And I played guitar. Right. But mostly in only two keys, C and G. <laughs> Open strings. But I made everybody. That, now the clarinet's written in B flat, so it's right. kind of hard for them to play in C. It's, it's, uh, but was, I was still the leader. Yeah, Avant-garde uh, jazz music early on. But so, but because I have not talked to, like I've talked to people that for a few guys from your generation, from Chicago, from New York, but I never, I have no sense of, you know, the Bay Area scene. I have no sense of the folk scene. So when you guys first started to perform, I guess you had a third guy that you performed with, but it was sort of straight up kind of like getting on the folk bandwagon, right? No, it wasn't no? a bandwagon. <laughs> it started, Tommy could do that. We started, we were going to college at San Jose State. Yeah. So we're basically locals. Yeah. And Kingston Trio had just made Kingston Tom Trio Dooley. Big. Tom Dooley, but that was the the... the the folks started with the Weavers, right? And yeah. didn't catch on. Oh, okay, the hit songs, uh, Brown Eyes, and uh, right. So the and, Kingston Trio were the ones they that did they it. they put it over the top. Yep, and all the and the kids liked them. Yep, and that's what inspired you. But what, yeah, what was so good? We were our first songs in high school and college. Shaboom, shaboom. We sure. were singing, doo-wop, whatever songs were, were popular songs. But when folk music came in, I said, "Wow, mm, yeah, there's a story here." There's a story right, in right, one of the right. songs. Uh, pretty soon, uh, we'd learn part of the song, and I'd, I'd make up introductions every night. Yeah. Every night, a new introduction. Finally, Dickie <laughs> said, who wasn't talking at all, yeah. just singing, the best singer. Right. But Dickie would say, well, why don't you repeat that funny thing you said last night? I said, well, they'll know. <laughs> yeah. They'll That's know not that. fair to repeat yourself. Yeah, right. I, I just believed that you, you had, Right. Yeah. You, you, had could to, sing, you could sing a song over and over again. But right. Seemed said, dishonest. And they... They didn't notice. Of course. Would you think it was the same people? I, I had. I was not a smart person. <laughs> I told you we were very naive. We didn't know yeah. what we were doing. <laughs> well, as a comic, I know yeah. that feeling. Yeah. Like they're gonna, you know, like. But it's in your head. That's all the same yeah. people. You're just saying, like, I already said this. But yeah. that, they don't know. Well, I, I understand that. Now. Wait, we didn't know what we didn't know. We yeah. we weren't in showbiz. We we're students. <laughs> he worked at a gas station. I worked at fast food. What Wait, do we know? Where'd you? Well, you grew up in where? Double, out, outside L.A. Where'd you grow up? San, San Fernando Valley in, in Redondo Beach. So you real L.A. guys, basically. Real kind of <laughs> until it was Valley guys and Valley guys, yeah. And Redondo Beach and different uh, moved around, moved around, but it was all of Southern California. And I went to San Jose State. He went to the Army and uh, Fort Ord. 
Yes, sir. So, and then when you got out and went to state, and we both started singing there a little bit, had a little group. You, you come from military family? Yeah. Your, dad your dad was West Point. Oh, your dad Class was West Point. Twenty and really lost him in the war. And, uh, World War Two. Yeah, yeah, we were in uh, the Philippines, Dickie and I. In, in May of '41, we were evacuated with the Army dependents. Six months before Pearl Harbor, they knew something was happening. So that's how we settled from Winston Salem, where he was, North Carolina. Your dad? It, yeah, yeah. And to Southern California, where my mom's, our mom's parents were. Oh wow! And so she worked at Lockheed, at, at making airplanes for the, and Grandpa worked at Lockheed. The, the war effort is a big thing, you know. And that's that where interesting? We grew up. That's where you. So you guys really were brought up in it. And you're, you, how old were you when your dad passed? I was about well, five. Or he, he was a prisoner of war until forty-four. Late. He fell with the Philippines with sixty thousand other troops, and so they were prisoners of war. Very inhumane. Oh my God! Time. So how yeah. did you, did you, did you find that out much later? Uh, well, we they, knew we were in military school. <laughs> yeah. In San Bernardino, yeah, we, we had pro- behavior problems. Were. Yeah, you <laughs> I, had them. Yeah. Anyway, well, you know, you get a telegram. You get a telegram now. Now you could actually watch your 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 guys in the battlefield. You sure. Know, so instant, and we found out he would. We knew he was a prisoner of war, and uh, mom did. And, yeah. And then she got a telegram that he was uh, deceased while a POW. Oh. And uh, so that there. there I believe nobody's self-made. They're, they're self-made within the circumstance they find themselves in, which they had no control of picking. Sure, it did be mom didn't pick to yeah. lose her husband. Absolutely, and yeah. we didn't pick for things that happened. Yeah, and so we ended up in San Jose. Long story short, Kingston Trio. Without them, we were singing just right. We, there was no comedy. Tommy had an inkling in high school. He had this ability to get people to laugh and to listen. Well, well yeah, that was, the, uh, was pretty funny in high school. Well, yeah. that was the uh, that would be the, you know when you're getting in trouble with the teacher. You know, now, at any age, that means you're funny. Usually. You create chaos. That's right. It means that you're you're <laughs> going to be a comedian or you're going to be a a real a, a societal real loser. Problem. A real loser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Comedian or criminal. Exactly. <laughs> comedian or criminal or both. Yeah. <laughs> so so what. A, like I, the president. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At, at about 14 and 15 years old, yeah. uh, be, if I was late for class, there was a front door and a back door. Yeah. Instead of sleeping in the back door and going to my, I, I'd go through the front door yeah. and and apologize profusely <laughs> to, to the teacher and to the <laughs> my classmate. I'm sorry, yeah. disturbing our learning process. And by that time, they're on the floor <laughs> laughing. Yeah. yeah. My ear by the teacher, yeah. also the doc, uh, Mr. Hammer, who happened to be our vice president, yeah. the vice person, principal, vice principal, yeah. yeah, vice principal, who always had the paddle. Yeah, yeah. Did he uh, bra- actually pull your ear and pull you off? Yeah, you in the middle of your show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he's it was killing. A show. What are you doing? I'm killing him. <laughs> yeah, see that you got you got canceled early on. The, the other time I knew that we might I might have a career in show business was. Uh, when I was at San Jose State, the head of uh, something asked me if I would like to lead the card stunts because during the football game, but yeah. they were having problems because kids were throwing the cards and they're eight by ten pieces of card. What are they? They don't. They don't know. Up. The new people don't, don't know what they'd have colored cards. Yeah, and you'd yeah, have one, you'd two. have a diagram, and they could count out. Okay, trick. A thing number two, it would tell you when an account color? to show your card oh, oh, okay. to the people There'd across be, the stadium. Okay, there'd There's be a game. all kinds of signs. I, I yeah, guess yeah, they don't yeah. do card stunts anymore. So. Yeah, maybe they do. I, I don't but know. anyways, uh, thousands of people in the stands with and stuff. The cards. And, and I, I came out with a little hat yeah. like my brother has on, yeah. uh, 
and I always play the victim. And yeah. I say, okay, we want everybody to participate. And we take your instruction sheets, a little yeah. piece of paper that, and then I say, and it, pass them over. Okay, please work with me. <laughs> they start feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. sad for me. And, and then I get them. I said, okay, the, the, the last, the last stunt. Yeah. They got to put the cart, take the instruction sheet at, at the count of three. With the, it looked like popcorn. Oh, going you just out. throw it out. Yeah, and, see, no, and no cards were thrown. People were, hurt. were getting hurt. With yeah, those. sharp corners. Oh, okay. They could, uh, yeah, yeah. Like throwing, Don't throw them. Frizzling. Throw these, and it looked like a snow blizzard. Yeah. But know? it was kind of funny because yeah. I said, "Huh." Yeah. And I played it. I played the victim. And yeah. I said, Please, let's work together. Yeah. We can. <laughs> I go, what the hell are you talking Well, that's about? a great timing. That's a great device. I mean, even on that, like, I can't remember which bit it is where you talk about being in love and not wanting to be with anybody else, and you build it up and build it up, and you're like, you know, I'll, I'll fool around a little bit. What's so it? I said, with, what was her name? Betty Davis. Betty she did Davis. That. Oh, yeah. Fam- famous. She was on the Johnny Carson show, and we were there. And she came in after a set next to Yeah. And I, I said, John, I just want to say to, to Mrs. Davis, I'm a huge fan of all your friends. You're an incredible actress, and I just don't, I, I just, did you mess around? <laughs> yeah. She legs went up the air. She went and con- <laughs> yeah. yeah. She said, but I, not a great <laughs> line, but it, yeah, it's where, they, said, it's where they land. Yeah. If you it's were a little bit older and I was a little bit younger, I'd sure mess around with you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what she said? She was gracious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's great. They became friends, too. Was that, was that before she was on your show or after? Well, we had well, her on our show. Oh, that's right. way before. Oh, really? Way, way before this. Oh, so uh, yeah, you, you, you endeared yourself. Well, we were kind of endearing. And, and, oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> that's for no, sure, I'll yeah. tell you what. Uh, his victim was good. You know, like Woody Allen did a certain type of a victim. Right, People right. have their shit. You know, either you're really He was mean, a schlub. He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's sexually repressed Jewish kid. You know, you right, but Tom played is sort of innocent, right? Yeah, but we were on a and the Tonight Show with Johnny, and then Jackie Leonard uh, had done his segment. Yeah. Jackie Leonard. Jackie Leonard. Yeah. yeah. You know, hi, what you going Who does your nails? Your gardener. Yeah. You know, you know what aggressive comic. <laughs> and he's sitting there, and we come in and do our bit, and uh, and we sit down after yeah. our bit, we sit on the couch, yeah. and he started t- turning to Tom and did a whole segment of putting my brother down. Yeah. Just the worst thing. That's what he does. Yeah. And Tommy just took it. I and, could I had no he gave me no space. <laughs> and then yeah. finally you remember that what you yeah. said to him? He he had buried my brother, and then yeah. Tommy looked at him and quite sincerely. I said, "Jackie, uh, uh, your comedy would get better if your timing would improve, or something like that." <laughs> yeah. yeah, your material would be better if you got a sense of timing. Right, but you see, gave, I forgot it too. You gave it a good beat, though, I, right? I killed him. Yeah, <laughs> he killed him, and he went to his death. Every once in a while, when it's it's not in his mind, someone comes up to him, and it happens to us on our big bombs. Yeah. Uh, which is bad. Hey, Jackie, I saw the tight. Tommy Smothers buried you on the Tonight Show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, good, good. So, well, okay, so the Kingston Trio, you're learning how to riff Kingston. a little bit. You're repeating some funny lines. And, and what happens? Is that when the, the comedy becomes as important as it, the it's music? It's like leaking, leaking out. Uh, uh, tentative steps because we had no vision of where we were going to go sure, with sure it. you know what i'm talking about it grew it just grew it just started happening organically and yes. you were getting a because your music chops are good and you yeah, both have yeah. nice voices but but the laughs were feeling satisfying yep. right and well, the dynamic. Some people would come up sometime after yeah. a really good show they said yeah victor borger would never finish a song right great pianist and 
but he was funny. He was yeah. very funny. And I, you got, why don't you get it, finish your song? I said, well, <laughs> on the way. It's just, you're just fine. And, and Dick and I are conversationalists. When yeah. we, we did our material, yeah. when it was at our best, it was, we listened. Pretty soon, Dickie really listened good. Yeah. And the, the, as I say, the straight man in a comedy team is, is the most powerful. The drummer. The, sure. The beat Especially together. with conversation. Conversation. The best people that do what you do here on the airways yeah. and on streaming, they're conversationalists. And they, they've learned a way of making it interesting or allowing you to make it interesting, sure. too. Yeah. And yeah. so we, most comedy teams were set up, release, set up, right. set up. Joke, yeah. set up joke, and you know there's nothing natural about that. Yeah, and Tommy and I were conversational, and it grew that he would make up stuff, and I and I'm the practical pig. That's not true. Yeah, a lot what of it's mean? true. Well, yeah. well, no, well, there were there were no there was no pumas in America. There was no chocolate. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a chocolate yeah. on the sure, street. Sure. Yeah, there was. I didn't have. Why did they put it to street? Well, they had a fence. They were yeah. conscious about safety. <laughs> right. Well, then how'd you fall in? Well, there's a little railing on top. I like to balance on everything. <laughs> it would slowly grow. Yeah. I had the pet. I had everything. Mom liked me best, right? Right. So over the years, it took, I had every gift. He had nothing. Yeah. He got my scooter after the wheels fell off. Right. And I had a dog. He had a crummy chicken. Well, <laughs> after two or three years, that chicken grew to 50 pounds, killed my dog. <laughs> and so you let them yeah. grow and grow so and that, grow. And that just happened through improvising? Yeah. Who are you sitting there? And the audience was so important because their feedback, they tell you where the yeah, feedback, are. and to repeat something that killed one night, yeah, and you lost it the next night. No, it was the setup; it's where it was. Right, we, we never you know? wrote anything down. Yeah. We, it was all, it's all through repetition. Yeah, it was. It started off with me introducing the songs, right, and I'd make something up, and then Dickie say, "Say something." I don't know what this. Is. We'll write something down, do an introduction. Yeah. He was very hesitant, to, and once he got into. The process slowly growing to that it became conversations. Just saying that's wrong. Yeah, he said that's wrong, and I said no. Then it became a conversation. Uh, yeah. So he became this wonderful straight man. You know and, what? Uh, nice long bit. It's really great it, because yeah. I didn't like him. We don't. We didn't get along. We. Our tension uh, is real. The tension is real. Yeah, it's you have to have a certain amount of tension. Even now. That. Yeah. Well, uh, we not like now we're we're. Senior citizens. Yeah. And, uh, no, I give him. I give him. I give him a puzzle on the, on his iPad, yeah. and he leaves me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, if you ask me a question, yeah. when did you first yeah. get this idea of doing the stuff layered over a, a folk song? Yeah. And uh, what I remember, and it may not be correct, but my memory is we, the, the song that we did. First time on national television, the Jack Parr Tonight yeah. Show called The Foxes. The Fox went out on chase one night. It's a song about a fox that was hungry. He had, he had his little children, and he had to go out and folk steal yeah. folk songs. Yeah. And one night at the Purple Onion, he, we're singing a song. We were a trio that first year. And so two guys didn't interact. Tommy, we tuned and stood. Yeah. And Tommy singing a song. Came to came to a great big pen. Ducks and the geese were kept therein. Couple of you gonna grease my chin before we leave the town. Oh, town! I'm going quack 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 quack. Yeah. I just thought I screwed up. Yeah. It, it got a huge laugh. Yeah. So I said, I said, do it again. I didn't know it was gonna get a laugh. He says, do it again, do it again. I says, I can't do it again. He tried you to do, do it again. again. You so do I it started again. doing it. Yeah. And it started. A litany of what happened outside of the song about a fox. Yeah. So when we had our big break, which anybody who was anybody wanted to get on the Tonight Show yeah. with Jack Parr, yeah. only thing on the air at that hour. Right. And so they, they said, "What are you going to do?" A song about it. They said, "This is a camera 
a walkthrough. Don't do your don't do any material. This is for camera. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So Tommy started explaining and I said, what the hell is going on here? Uh, if I do this, if I put it like a knife cutting my throat, yeah. get off the stage, stop. Yeah. And uh, do this, speed it up. Speed it up, do something. This and is the, said, the director. Jack Parr's going to yeah, look the director. So, yeah. so Jack Parr's going to say, I'm thinking, I'm going to look like crap. I got to distance myself from these guys. Yeah. So I, he not, set up a worse introduction in his mind to, to, to boy us up. Yeah. But to get him, I, I don't know. Folk songs. I don't like folk singers. I like Burl Ives. Yeah, he did everything and and set us up. Underplayed but, you. Yeah, yeah. And and the last question it was going to really set him up as a. He said, "Hey boys, uh, tell me." And we're out there in the home base. Yeah, and yeah. He said, "Boys, what's the difference between folk singers and hillbilly singers?" And Tommy, without a beat, said, "Hillbillies sing higher." <laughs> and, <laughs> and the audience exploded. Yeah. <laughs> we had we had won them. We couldn't pay a million dollars for that. And that night, and did, uh, that was off the cuff. Uh, totally. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, just to change subject, Smothers Brothers. We love the Everly Brothers. Yeah, and yeah. we were approximately exactly the same age. Yeah, uh, one day apart, uh, Don and I and Phil and Dicky. Yeah. yeah, and <clears throat> they were opening for us, and it was the Smothers Brothers and the Everly Brothers in in Las Vegas. And after the second night. That's week run. Yeah. The road manager said, and I'm down tuning my guitar before the show. I said, uh, the b- b- boys are having, a, they're not going on tonight. I said, what? I said, uh, Phil's up in his room and, and Don's in the dressing room. They're not talking. They're not going to perform. <laughs> and I go, Jesus, what the hell? I, I said, well, <laughs> tell them to pack up and get out because we'll have to, that's just, it. Have to get all, all of a sudden they came on. Yeah. So I, and they sang not even looking at each other. Uh, so I told Dick, he said, tomorrow night, uh, between shows, let's go have dinner with him. And say, he didn't want to. I said, we're brothers, they're brothers. Maybe we can talk about how right. we can get along. And so yeah. we sat down at dinner. And I said, I know you love each other. We don't love each other. We don't like each other. And Phil started talking. Then Dick started talking. Pretty soon... The two younger brothers were in total agreement. And, and Don, so we left and fighting everybody each left other. With, and Dickie was hanging out with Phil and was hanging out with Don, the older brother. That was just the real truth about brothers. That and I was going to be. Yeah. The, we're going to. Yeah, you're going to fix it, and then you, yeah. they, everybody we, picks sides. We, the younger ones. Yeah, we've had uh, early, early, early on. Yeah. When, when we became the Smothers Brothers, <laughs> that is uh, what we are today. Was in Aspen, Colorado, 1960. And uh, the Limelight was a big folk group, owned a club there, and they yeah. brought us there. And it was the first time we'd ever been a duet. Uh-huh. We had failed at the little uh, What college, happened to the other guy? Uh, he, he, he fell in love and went to Australia with his oh. girlfriend, whatever. Yeah. And uh, we, we had just done our little things at San Jose State, just right. struggling. What was that scene like? Who was like, so you were part of the folk scene in San Francisco, not the comedy scene. Well, yeah, we were. We sort of were never. Well, they, the, uh, the real folk singers, singers didn't like said us. We're, you're really because you were kind of making fun yeah. of them. Yeah, <laughs> making fun. Of them. That's when they said you're a satirist. I didn't even know what that was. But they did. So, so because I was wondering about that, given the culture we live in now, mm-hmm. is that you know, as becoming these liberal voices, you know, in 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 media and, and defining sort of that type of satire, uh, that you were sort of taking shots at the the most vulnerable liberals they were. That these little folk singers. But so, so I always thought that, that did they take it or did they? Well, that. 
they mostly liked it, but yeah. uh, there was a couple of clubs that wouldn't hire us because we weren't ethnic enough. We weren't. Uh, You're uh, not uh, ethnic folk singers. But, yeah. did they, but, but did we didn't attack folk singing. We attacked the songs. Okay, so that's a, there's a difference, the, right? Yeah. You get down to it. There's very few ethnic folk singers. You got Pete Seeger, the Weavers, these guys that are that's their culture. Sure, and they were wonderful. They sang songs as they were sung in the mountains, yeah. and, uh, you know, and all yeah. that. Yeah. And these young kids with just shaving, starting to shave. Heidi, Heidi, oh, bounding would go. They yeah. were singing the music of the day and it was a great opportunity to not sing a love song yeah that's history and legend but the but the yeah. folkies never got mad at you never drew no, a line no. but so at the hungry eye and at the purple onion i played the purple onion one when it reopened i think it might have been the original place it's tiny place yeah yeah and so who was around i mean were the beatniks still around oh, Did, where, wait, who was, wait a minute who was starring and well, yeah, like when you eye. like when you did your record, like who was across the street at the Hungry Eye? What were the what were the bills like? Okay, Lenny Bruce. Oh yeah, uh, did you go see him? Yeah, oh, I, yeah I pulled sure. him water skiing in Sausalito. <laughs> he did. He yeah. was the palest white man I ever saw. <laughs> I said this, he looked like he 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 went to bed in a coffin. You know, yeah. you know. You took him water skiing. Yeah, on a went, boat. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So him and uh, Mort Saul, uh-huh. Shelley Berman, Nichols and May, oh, Professor yeah. Irwin Corey, Irwin Corey. Uh, uh, the uh, of course the Limelighters was the folk singing group. They they were the cut the hungry eye. Uh, some clubs in New York and Chicago. So they you, were the biggest, most active. Yeah, so you guys would go eat the Chinese food with all these guys sometimes yeah. and yeah. hang out? Sure. I'd go across the street to this Filipino place where you could get 35-cent pig's ear sandwich, and, and when you want a turkey sandwich or ham, there's a leg, uh, there's a whole turkey. Right. It was so much. Neat. And, and Broadway, in the night at Enrico's Coffee House on Broadway, yeah. which was a landmark for decades and decades. It was a glorious time. We didn't know we landed by co- of circumstance and war at San Jose and to a, a place where they could fertilize and give us a chance to grow as, as entertainers. And <clears throat> Other comedians didn't consider us uh, stand-up because we had guitar and bass. Oh, because you had a, a musical but, bit. I always thought we were stand-up because... We did at least fifty percent talk. Oh yeah, no, of course. Uh, Was Newhart around? We, yeah, we could do. We could do. We could do an hour and a half show and sing five songs. Yeah, but that was <laughs> you were yeah. definitely standing. Yeah, Was yeah. Newhart around at all? Yeah, oh yeah, he started around that time. Cosby was starting that time. Richard Pryor. And you went and uh, saw all these guys. You yeah. were part of the. And and what, what, when you watched, uh, what, who were some of the guys? Like when you watch Lenny Bruce say. Because you know, he would talk a lot, yeah. and it wasn't even that easy to understand all the time. But did, what, when what started to inform your politics, you know, more than anything else, the times, the times, just oh, because there was such Dick attention. Gregory, you know, Dick Gregory was picked by uh, the, one of the brightest of, yeah. the, of the comics of that day, sure. and he chose the civil rights movement to do it at that time in his life, and he sacrificed a lot of, of potential greatness in one area to be great in another. Right. So there's there are people making choices. We were just. Uh, the political thing, it was more of a social observation that the war was uh, in Vietnam was not. Well, yeah, and that came a, a little that, later. Yeah, that that was the thing that got us fired from sure, c- yeah. CBS, but it was, uh, and now in hindsight, of course we were correct right, in, in yeah. the criticism, but we used to get hate mail and stuff. But I, like it is today, it was already festering back there in the 60s between... Hippies and street yeah, people, right? Love doves and the hawks was the '60s word. Right. Were you a dove or a hawk? Right. So after Aspen, that put you on the map. No, well, that put uh, us together as a comedy. Team. Well, well, as let's a, say that two years after we started at the Purple Onion, we got the Tonight Show. For, right. F- however big miracle it was, that put us on the map. And then the record came. 
The record was before that. At the Hungry but they Idol. Never, no, at the Purple, Purple Onion. But yeah. they don't sell because there's nobody knows you made a record. Okay, right, right. <laughs> Until you're on national exposure. So once you did The Tonight Show, the record started selling, put you on the oh, map. Yeah. And that's when you got the TV deal for the, the, the first right show? Away, you got right Steve Allen shows. Oh, really? Steve Allen was really good with it. Yeah, this, he's so. good, right? And that's what Tim Tim uh, Tim Conway was on there. All oh, of Tim us, Conway, he, yeah. he loved comedians. He yeah. loved talent. He collected them and musicians. Steve liked musicians and comics. And that, so that, that that seems to be the template for your show as, yeah. too, as well, that type of, that idea. Yeah. We, our first show, our first television show was a sitcom. Yeah, so you guys were around for five years before you got the sitcom deal? Well, we, yeah. we were at January 61. We got The Tonight Show. Yep. And 1965 was our first uh, our sitcom. So you were just hitting, you were just doing uh, yeah. clubs, doing the yeah. dates? selling records like crazy. Oh, yeah. We had three gold albums, live that's, albums. That's amazing. And we'd, we'd show up with no album right and Mercury says the contract says you owe us two albums a year yeah we signed anything because we were never going to be a hit you know <laughs> take the money and then we made it up at, uh, while we're people were paying to see us sure you and, get to, and, you have to and then Tommy with Dave Carroll and he gets further in on that they've spent hours and hours trying to piece together not funny stuff to make it funny record Th record for three days yeah you know, three days are sh uh, two shows a night six shows yeah and we were ad-libbing as we are going along and and there's some magic time. Most of the time was editing and trying to get the laughter across right. here. And then we kind of learn it off. The We'd learn our our <laughs> show from our album. So you'd cut it <laughs> on the album because you do all the editing, put the funny stuff together, and then you do the bit after that. You're like, yeah. they put we these all to, together. Right. To, yeah. All it takes is a germ. A little, some two comedians in Las Vegas came up to me after they'd seen our show. Oh, no, this one guy was a member of a comedy team, and he said, you know, uh, I used to do this routine. probably be good for you. I said, what is it? Well, my partner would do something stupid. And I said, why'd you do that? He said, the drummer told me to. He said, you do everything the drummer tells you to do? He says, yes, I do. He said, what, did you jump off a bridge if he told you to? He goes, well, <laughs> not again. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I yeah, took that, that I took that little piece yeah, yeah. and it became a runner. Right. Stick it in anything that he's screwing sure, up on sure. when Not I'm to, mad at him. Right. Who told you to do that? That's awful. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought we were a, a pretty good comedy team. No, a great comedy team. So who, we're in a great comedy, but we were pretty good. I think oh, I think there, well there's there's people we admire. I'll never stop admiring that, George Carlin. Comedy teams. Yeah. You know, and you're one of the big yeah. ones. I'd say you're great. And there's no I mean, there's a, that footage of uh, George Burns and Jack Benny doing you guys. If you're if <laughs> you're defined great? enough for those guys to do you guys, you're great. I think when I look back, yeah, uh, Nichols and May had conversations. When you see them, we were yeah. looking at our, our our material today, trying to or recently looking at our best stuff. Yeah, and that is conversation. It's not straight man comedian. Nichols and May, they're two people that were talking yeah, about something. They were right. mother and son or lovers right. or whatever. And we're two guys talking about something. And so that's how we're unique, I think. Well yeah, not but you're we but you're, you're Dick and Tom. Yeah. You know, and Nichols and May were you know, they were but doing different parts. Characters. In a way. They're doing characters. characters. We exactly. never did we did You are the character. We are the character. So who reached out to do the sitcom? Oh. Uh, Aaron Spelling. Oh, early. That well, was like, must well have everybody's uh, you have yeah. managers and agents. Sure, and they're all trying to promote your career. Yeah, they want to get you it, get you the it was job. A, it was the era of Dobie Gillis, the Gilligan's Island, right? Genie, uh, and so they they did. It's a single camera. Was mm -hmm. an audience like uh, the there's no audience. Like. Yeah. So they but, took away our timing, our music, and our they, instruments, and they, and they were writing right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, quiet on set. Okay, 
Five, four, three, two. Action. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was. And we'd yeah. have just a like few lines. As yeah. you see those, and, like, and you always, Tommy, would always break up the crew at the end of any take that wasn't going to be on. Yeah. And it was going to be on the floor because it didn't <laughs> yeah, make yeah, any right. sense. So the performers were trying to be movie actors. Right, and it was they they cut our timing with the with the in the editing. So they did they did they didn't honor anything that you guys were no, good at, no. and they gave you lines, and they expected you, and it must have felt terrible. Yeah, for well, Tommy, I still have it. problem with uh, I, I like written it. material because yeah, I don't know why that is. We're, you have specific timing. Who's going to be able? It take you got to be somebody very sensitive to what you do to write properly for you. Well, well there's good there's good. Comedians who know how to do other people's lines, yeah, sure, be written for. But mostly, stuff that was written for us was an imitation of us. Ah, kind of an. Yeah, it didn't feel the feel improv right. actors that get their their chops. At San Francisco yeah. was a compass player. San Francisco. I, I wish I could have done a compass film. was Chicago, wasn't it? Uh, Second City. Second City. Yeah. Be, compass they, became Second yeah, City. Yeah, but they learned to act on their feet. Yeah, 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 and refine it so they could do anything. You write it, they could. They Where was the committee it. from? Were they San Francisco? That San Francisco. might have been. That was San Francisco. Yeah, that's Lee who French, who she played a hippie. Right, I remember. Show. Yeah, uh, she yeah. was from that. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of people in that. Was Peter Bonner's in the committee as well? Oh, I think. You so. Remember that guy? Yeah, sure, I do. We yeah. were on island uh, unto ourselves. We yeah. had no clue about the New York comics. Well, no, yeah, but no, but like that whole anybody. West Coasting. I mean, everybody came through your show. But oh, but but the point being, like, so you didn't mind the sitcom, but it bothered you. Oh yeah, I so, didn't mind it. Looking back. Even if you're, it's it's not a great show. We right. have fans. Yeah. The guy who wrote Dune flew from Hawaii to Vegas, Herman, to see our show. He liked the stupid sitcom. <laughs> He's a brilliant man. So you never know. No, of course. Well, yeah. people liked you guys, yeah. but you you have millions of people being aware of you, right? And so when you go in to do, how did the variety show start? How what were the talks around that? How did that come to pass? I mean, how did that well, how did that deal happen? Well, that happened uh, after we did our series, the sitcom yes. series. There was a little. They noticed the numbers were pretty darn good. In fact, but it's called TVQ. And then it's some tested. They one. had this yeah. time spot on Sunday that was being just destroyed by Bonanza. Everything That's so CBS put up against. What year is this? Uh, Nineteen sixty-five. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm two years old, and I'm not I'm, I'm not watching Bonanza, but everybody watched it. <laughs> everybody at that time it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, no one could beat it, right? No one could beat it. So yeah. they said, Smothers Brothers, they have the actor, put him in there. Fuck it, try no, it out. Yeah, yeah let's try yeah. it. Out. Yeah. And we said, fine, we'll just go in and take. You said the smartest thing. I didn't think like you did. Right. You said, hey. They've failed six times against Bonanza. The number one watched time all week. There's no recording. You're watching Bonanza, and you're not watching anything else, right? Uh, yeah. CBS was last place that year. Yeah. Gary Moore, they had to do something. That was the Gar Oh, they tried the Gary Moore show. He, yeah. Well, he'd been on forever. He'd been great career. So he, well, he was to tell the truth later, uh, right? They moved him up against Bonanza oh, oh, for the variety show. Well, he also had a had a, had a, a person on their show named Carol Burnett. So it was a really a, a terrible spot for revenue for them. Well, they almost, and, didn't they offer it to Carol Burnett? No, oh, a, that's another story, oh, but right. it's parallel. Okay, it's um, so. The, the quickest thing to put on is a, a live show because the film shows right, are sure. real expensive yeah. and it takes a long time. And um, William Morris, uh, the head of William Morris said to CBS, you got to know something. You're franchise, like a football team. Yeah. You got a jersey. They yeah. got a station. Your players are getting old. The leaders of your variety stuff, It's you need some younger, younger people <clears throat> out here. They yeah. test well. 
give them 13 weeks, mid-season replacement. You can't lose anything. In the meantime, you could create something worthwhile right. and good. They yeah. could, that's the story. Consider us worthwhile. But so that's how we got the idea. Hold the space. Right. So 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 the agency said, you know, this is what you got to do. Like times are changing. Yeah. You've got the you got we got these guys. You, and the the real the real hanger on that whole thing was during this uh, sitcom. I had hardly any input into you the, had no uh, input. Yeah, we yeah. were hired actors and yes. Yeah. Thing and uh, so by the time when I said we get this variety show, I said I want creative control. Right on him. They said sure, you got it. Just go ahead. And we're going to be gone right away. It yeah, yeah. so they so, didn't care. Yeah, right, yeah, right. You can have. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I use it like a hammer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I had writers. I, if I didn't like them, I'd fire them. Yeah, and uh, if, I, had if, lot, I had my friends on, <laughs> and I discovered Pat Paulson and all these people that we worked with, and stuff. And this was just out of because, like, be, before this experience, so you guys only really dealt with each other and right, and, and right. working with each other in the act. Yeah. So, what was it in your brain? Like, what were you seeing, and what was going on in the world that made you so expansive in terms of like I just want to try everything? Well, what happens is when you when you just work in a little club, yeah. You try everything you can. It's not much. Right. They give you a platform like a television show. All of a sudden, there's horizons. Do anything. I have a good friend who's a folk singer who writes pretty. Bring yeah. him in. Who's that? Mason Williams. Yeah, Mason. Yeah. yeah. And I remember bringing this. Uh, he wrote the theme song. Yeah. And I brought it to CBS, and they said, "Now we we want something like thanks for the memories right, with right. Bob Hope. We yeah. need something like that." Yeah. I said. We're, we're new on the scene. This yeah. is a great. What else? Themes had to argue. And I said, I've "Got creative control." Right. Okay. We'll use that. And just so kept it, doing it. So it just expanded, and pretty soon your views bigger because you're in a bigger platform, and it's never mm-hmm. premeditated. The situation kind of forces you to make decisions. Yeah. Moral decision. Okay. Here, decision. This is a good point. The, yeah. The the uh, William Morris guy was the president. William Morris. He said, your, your franchise is too old. Yeah. They hire us because they they couldn't lose anything. You can't go worse than last place. Yeah, right. And um, our first show that we did yeah. was, was a hit without was any it? content. It didn't matter. Yeah. We were, they tuned in for a young host doing something against Bonanza. Yeah. They were ready for it. The second show... It didn't fall down. It was still good. So there was, was all these people, all these like, but the, but it was very smart to to for you guys to decide, which I thought was was genius. Is and I'm not the only one, obviously. Is that you know you integrated the old timers, right? So you were bridging but this. You're gap. talking down the line. That's way our down show the line. Was, our show was just new and young, and they bought it, and then the times happened. But who was on the first show? It t- didn't really matter. I don't, it was a, you don't remember. Jim Neighbors and oh, some Neighbors. other people. And, well, he was mainstream. Yeah. yeah. We, well, we had some mainstream people. Yeah. yeah. Always. But there wasn't anything controversial. It was a variety show. Sure. In the, in the, in the strictest sense. But it, but it was. The combination of the two, having the younger the people. The generation. Yeah. That's what I mean. Is yeah. that like you guys had a respect and an understanding and a relationship with old show business, yeah. but you had ideas that were of yeah. the age. So by bringing in the people that were familiar yeah. to the audience. You were able to sort it's like a yeah. Trojan horse. You so, were able to sneak yeah, it we, in there. We had iconic movie stars. Yeah. We had rock and roll. A lot of turn. A lot of turn and all that. But that's as the show. If, yeah. if we show our season, the three seasons, we would rather you would see the second and third season. Sure. Because the first season was, was traditional and it got us in the door. 
Right, but but you were yeah, yeah you were establishing yourselves. Yeah. But even in the first season, you did some good rock and roll music. Oh right? yeah, that part, but yeah, no but political that, stuff. I but, know, but, but the rock and roll music brought in that oh, audience. Yeah. So you bringing in people that never watch TV, right? They were sort of like TV didn't speak maybe, to maybe them. Maybe so. You're right. People, right, the rock people wanted to do our show. You, you know, because yeah, yeah, you would have them right. on. And we were treated right. Oh yeah, like what do you mean? And then, but part of that was that not only were the the types of things we had on was Tommy made sure he he hired nothing i hate to say it hack guys have been around for decades writers he wouldn't hire the youngest writers that we respected and heard about and cbs said we, we want two old guys to yeah. babysit you guys <laughs> so that happened that way but then the times that we were the, about we were the only hosts that would be sensitive to the counterculture and what was changing but it wasn't political initially. It was just no. cultural. It was yeah. good stuff. Yeah, 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 it's great. So, like, when you started having, but I think the rock band thing really changed well, that, everything. That was really big. I'm and sure. you, was it just out of your own sort of curiosity that you did this? That you were, you kind of like, you knew that 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 culturally you were of a generation that was, you know, doing all kinds of exciting new things, and you just went out and watched stuff, or but how did you book it? Pretty much like that, but we didn't recognize that we were doing anything. Yeah. Oh, you got to remember it, it, yeah, the, the talent pool yeah. back there. If you wanted to promote your record, book, movie, right. whatever, yeah. tev- television, there was no streaming. There was uh, there were specials, just radio, and know, TV, and live divas. performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, and one of the things we insisted on that we don't care how you recorded your hit. You got to do it live, whatever it is. By the way, Mason Williams, we got the yeah, made him a writer yeah. on the show and used his theme song. Yeah. And he was kind of a moral compass uh, for me. Yeah. And he always was kind of nudging me. Yeah. Hey, let's do this because it's the right thing to do. It's right. an ethical thing to Push do. Push it. Yeah. And he was uh, I was very involved. Dickie was involved too, but he his life was full. Yeah. He was driving race cars, he was yeah. flying planes, whatever it was. The worst was thing busy. it could have been was me, for me trying to take space, equals importance in the creative process, my brother. Yeah. There would be sides taken up, there would be division. Yeah, yeah. So I said, okay, I'll, 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 I'll learn my parts yeah. and I'll do my thing and I won't interfere. Because <laughs> right. Tommy has this natural talent with the guys. And I, I had a wife and three. I got three kids. And yeah, I did. I did a other life, and I was always ready to to know my part. Yeah, but you strong. had good, you, but you, you, you liked your life. Yeah, and he liked he 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 liked the. the I was a uh, one trick pony. I just did one thing. No, but but you didn't though because you were you were uh, you seemed to be the 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 center, the guiding force, and but you were open to ideas. And you had, you know, you trusted talent. Yeah, but that gets a, that that could bite you in the butt. Okay, clearly, you, you, you go to bed with. <laughs> but there we were. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mason told Tommy, he says, "Spend more time learning your friggin' part." Oh yeah. People he said don't to me care. during the show. He said, yeah. "You're not spending t- enough time with your brother. Not paying enough time working with Dick on, and you're so busy." Being involved All the in other the direction things. of yeah. it or supporting yeah. this or that. Yeah. But you were the producer, right? Well, no. Semi. No. <laughs> but I was pretty uh, I was pretty Sort aggressive. of. The, the shadow producer. No. I wasn't the shadow producer. But yeah. Mason said, you're not spending enough. And I see those early shows. Uh, uh, pretty soon it started. We used our own creative material. And then yeah. the writing started coming in. They were really good writers. But yeah. it was, we're doing an impression. And yeah. it wasn't happening. Mm. And... When did it start getting touchy? When did it start getting, like, when did the problem start? Second season. Yeah, second it. season. It, the classic old world censorship. You yeah. Couldn't say the, we couldn't say the word sex education. You couldn't say anything. I was surprised we, when we I. We couldn't say that Pat Paulson said, and Ronald Reagan is a known heterosexual. 
Yeah. You know what they're going to think about it. him. Yeah. He's a known heterosexual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty soon little things were, and I just would talk to the press every time someone would do that oppressive thing, then it, then it got to be political. And well, so, but it was just like suggestive. Like it wasn't even the words. It was just like if you were insinuating something. I, I really couldn't believe when I, when I did the research just how uh-huh. much you couldn't say. Like it was literally sure, yeah. Yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like even nothing, to suggest. There was nothing profane on so, our show ever. But even suggestive, yeah. like it was, it was, and, and that must have. So at a certain point, because of the life you were living and the people you were talking yeah. to, you realize this is crazy. Yeah, and we gotta, we gotta push it out a little bit, or like it's not going to reflect reality. There's a certain. I look back in yeah. hindsight. Yeah, I was a stubborn son of a bitch, and it was, it wasn't a particularly a, a moral or ethical thing. It was just they'd say you can't say that. Why not? Yeah, yeah. You've got creative control, right? <laughs> but, so, boom, boom. But yeah, but I felt that when I when I was reading uh, the the book about it, you know, that there was a you know after a certain point, I could tell that you were just sort of like fuck you. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you, you, gotta, <laughs> you know, the, maybe it's, uh, I'm I'm in a the self help program, and they say nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Yeah, I'm in the same one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing yeah. by mistake. Tommy right. could have backed off. And we could have done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, Dad, I won't wreck the next car. Just give me another car. Right. I promise I'll go slow. Right. And you go just drive like you always had. And something else could have happened. But our getting fired and taken away at a time, maybe that was the right thing. How how often can you go out and have people thank you for something you did sixty years ago? Right. Well, I think the I'm, timing it floors me. It the totally timing of me. his particular form of anti-authoritarian yeah. thinking, you know, and it seems like it was something you had all your life. Yeah, but, he did. But he, he, <laughs> he did. <laughs> but but the thing is, is that culturally. It, it ideologically it was appropriate mm-hmm. and it fed the sort of your stance about the war and your stance about you know what should and shouldn't be said and about free speech mm-hmm. so your personality though it may have been a personal pathology fit perfectly with the times That's ideologically right. the right skills for the right moment exactly what, uh, ADD dyslectic everything and they are <laughs> bless their little hearts <laughs> he did it so what? so we're so we're at this process now yeah <clears throat> we've been retired 12 years and at the time, I was just burnt out. Fifty-one years—that's enough. Yeah, yeah. And then it just we just kind of—it's just kind of we all got. I it. thought Tommy Tommy really was burnt out about ten years before what, uh, we so, retired, but he did it for me. He did it for other things, and he wasn't having fun. You you know we're all going to die, but do you want to die on a road? You know, no, we're die no, at home. No. You know that, and I don't mean in a bad sense. Uh, no, I get it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Is that and your life? Was it? He he, he gave so much. Uh, his performances never, ever were less than a hundred percent. Well, we had great shows, but if it's not fun and it's sucking you dry, maybe you, you got to step back. And right. Take a well, break. help. But like in the sixties, though, it seemed like you. You know, I'm surprised you didn't get burned out earlier. I mean, you were producing. Yeah, I didn't. Really, the way TV worked was much different. You guys had to get the mate because the censors were so on your ass. You had to get it in the can and then send the tape to New York, and then it had to be approved. And yeah. like, they're like a, a never-ending process. That and then you were also producing the the summer slot, right, with Glenn Campbell. Yeah, Glenn Campbell. I was a, I was pretty thin. I, yeah, I, I mean, was I don't know how you had time to do of, anything. Well, and, I, I went racing. He went racing. I polished my car. He drove Le Mans. Wipe and on, wipe off. <laughs> and he's and he's going crazy with the editing room. <laughs> and you're you're at the you're with the car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I love supporting Tom, and we he didn't ever do anything half cocked without uh, 
checking with talking yeah checking with me and i i i i i sort of pressured him to one bad decision that i really regret and that was taking the show we took where joe hamilton was the producer with that was it came back was that carol burnett's producer yeah Yeah, it was her husband and producer and after this was after you were fired yeah Yeah. a couple years and we could have a show back but they they couldn't trust us we put on that three years of one of the most respected shows on television, and they couldn't trust our our taste, so they put Joe Hamilton's. They said, "You got to take this, boys. You've been fired. This and is guess the what? most powerful thing that can." Do. We came back with Dynam. It was a huge hit on ratings the first week, and just dropped like we were going off. Because they saw that we didn't have the this, same. They were stuff. writing sketch comedy, and we're and not was, sketch players, right? So, yeah. It was a bad decision. Lost it. Yeah. They they took your edge away, yeah. but. They tried uh, to break our spirit. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't because hey, they they here's what happened. <laughs> Eventually, we said, Joe, this show's tanking. You should just get out. We'll yeah. let you go. Yeah, and he, so he left the show. Yeah, and then Tommy and I don't know who you, the people you did around the shows got a soul. We had songwriter, poet, singers. We had a theme on every show that they became things we we're totally proud of. So it cost us. Mm. And I'm sorry I did that, but it turned out to I didn't put know. us in yeah, a yeah. different place. Yeah, we shouldn't have done that. But well, I should have done what, it. What? What? Well, he admitted he, he screwed up. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, sometimes you do we the all right. Make sometimes or... you do the wrong thing, and everybody thanks you for it. And it was <laughs> you had evil intent. He said, "Oh, that's not, <laughs> I had no evil intent." But what? What? What led to what? Like, out? Did you feel like at the, in in the third season of the original show when you were you, you uh-huh. know when? Ultimately, everything became a fight on that show about what you wanted to get on and pushing the envelope and, and, and making sure that the heart of the thing was, was you know, against the Vietnam War, pro-freedom of speech on any level, mm-hmm. and, and a, a sort of managing that line between, like, sort of entertaining and irreverent. And, 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 but it became a full-on fight almost every show, correct? There's always just one little section here. One, the whole show yes, was a there, there was yeah. a diversion of... of, of Focus because yeah. of there was that. One, there was one story where it was we had a, a share on. Yeah, and I'm fighting this censorship battle, and and the producer, oh, we're having a problem with share. I said, what's the problem there? Well, the censors want her to, her to put bandages over her nipples because her nipples were showing through the dress. A, well, yeah, there yeah. was a bump there, and there. Yeah, and I'm going. <laughs> All I need is this one. Just. Tell her to put some goddamn bandages. I have my hands are full already with business, and I should have said, "Just do the show with that and see what happened." That'd have been a great story. So I, my righteousness, yeah. I, I let it go. I should have stood up for so her. That's one of your regrets that the nipple should have stood out. Yeah, they, <laughs> like they she that. wanted to. I'm wearing a polo shirt. We wear a polo shirt. Everybody, guys have nipples. Yeah. They say your nipples are showing. Of course they are. Well, that, if that's one regret, that's not a horrible but, regret. No, that's a, no, but I, I still look at it. God, we do. The press would have been great. That would know, have, have been a good one. It wouldn't be on us. It would be on... You know, yeah. But so the censorship thing was that uh, it seems that ultimately, though, I watched, I, I watched last night, I watched the show that was never aired, the one with the Harry Belfonte and the, oh, yeah. and the montage from the 68 Democratic. They took, they, they took out so much of that. Show. Right, but they, the one, the unaired one, you can see it. I, yeah. I mean, I read about that yeah. sketch or about him singing against yeah. the Democratic Convention. We, we thought we had the, the freedom of speech. CBS had the right from the 
it was heavy stuff though. It was heavy stuff, yeah. you know, and it, it you know packed a wall up, you know. And I mean, that was the amazing thing about that show. And I think that was the like because now be honest with me, did you resent laughing success? Oh, oh no. no, we loved it. Oh, you did. We were oh, tight yeah. friends with Slaughter and those guys. Yeah, we loved fact it. Fact is, George would call me all the time. How'd you get away with that? Oh yeah, but <laughs> fact is, Dan <laughs> Rowan took my place uh, on the show. We were fired for supposedly yeah i was racing in the 12-hour races sebring florida yeah and then i left and dan, and dan was the guest straight dan man to be he's a funny guy yeah. yeah oh but was, so there was no competition no no oh, no we just nice. we loved those guys and i love the fact that they could do those little short short things it didn't require uh yeah but but because of that like you know i it, it, i think that as funny as it was and as, as uh, groundbreaking as it was it didn't go as deep i mean you know jokes oh, no are, it didn't have time yeah it, and jokes are jokes and that's fine and sometimes they can make you think differently but like when you really when you look at that five what was it a 10 minute piece with harry belafonte singing yeah. against that stuff i mean that's not it's it's something it's art it's it's more profound well, tell and, it, say what we were what was the stuff we were showing while they was oh singing. it was the the protest the, the was police news action for, news for from Chicago, right? The Democratic Convention and the cops beating, beating up. down, yeah. Uh, and the song was uh, uh, "Stop the Carnival." Uh, yeah, was uh, it called? Uh, yeah, "Stop the Carnival." Yeah. yeah, it was. It was nothing inappropriate to show on television. It had been on television, yeah, in, in separate, different ways. Context, but, yeah. But you know, the show was not. There was just small parts that were controversial, yeah. right? The whole show was a variety show. Right. It was very funny. We had right. some sweet There'd stuff. But that was the balance. Right. Yeah, the, the balance. balance. Yeah. But they were so threatened by you that, that it, but it seemed to almost consume you, almost like you almost uh, kind of, you, you went crazy, did you? I didn't go crazy. Oh, good. But I, I was never really, that's why you I was a, never really sane. <laughs> that's why you have a brother. Yeah. You sometimes just balance. step in and help. I always yeah. check yeah. with him. I, he'd say, Tommy, you know what you're doing? I said, Absolutely, it's covered. I'm yeah. not making any legal mistakes so, here. He we said, influenced. Okay. He comes each other. back and he said, "We're fired." Remember, you know, yeah, I'm influenced by Tommy. He was yeah. always my older brother, protector. Yeah. He was yeah. a great brother. And when I started racing cars, he started driving faster. I influenced his driving habits. <laughs> I said, "Why are you driving faster?" He says, "I found out I'm genetically related to a race driver. I must be better than I thought." <laughs> <laughs> so, so when when you got fired, you couldn't believe it, right? I, I, I yeah. couldn't believe it either. I was in New York coming back from Florida. Yeah. And uh, some AP called me, or UPS, one of them called me at the hotel and said, I had this Dick Smothers. Hey, what, uh, I, what do you think about getting fired? I said, we didn't get fired. We just got picked up. And he says, no, you, you did got just fired. Get picked up. We got picked up for the, no, he says, you're fired. I said, well, I guess I have more free time. <laughs> That's all I cared. I said, I was thinking of the things I could do. <laughs> Thank you very much. And But you didn't get fired over a particular event. It was really a, a, a sort of a, a. No, it was a particular a, event. It was, yeah. It would happen to be, it was an Easter show. It was a, the week that Eisenhower died. It was, yeah. And so whole, it was, yeah, it was supposedly inappropriate for Easter. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, was the sermonette on that show? Yeah, sure, uh, yeah, the, the second sermonette was supposed yeah, to be on that show, that show yeah. with David Steinberg. It was a made up. It was a made up thing. But they, they yeah. anyway, but it didn't have something to do with not delivering the tape on time. Well, that was their excuse. That was their scam. Right, they were looking for some contractual reason. Yeah, there right. was nothing written. That by the way, we didn't have a. As I understand, there was no stipulated contract. That right, they kept it was moving around. But they had had enough. 
They didn't they, have they, a, they a, had enough. They didn't have a preview clause in our right, story. right. But they'd had enough of you. They had yes. enough of me. <laughs> they hired a hitman. They hired a new president to yeah. come in. They hired a president. Yeah, Robert Wood. They brought a new president yeah. of CBS. Yeah. He, he's going to handle the brothers. Oh, and he, that was it. He wanted to have a meeting with me, yeah. so I went and had this meeting. And yeah. he's he's probably Tom. You know, there's we, there's other ways of dealing with the the war and the different things. I said, pretty soon I was screaming. They're Burning babies and yeah. just Yeah, uh, it didn't go well. No. <laughs> so Tommy and I looked back and I said, I could have been cooler about this. You could have, you could have played it. But anyway, so Tommy did something, and then and and they said, they got, they all made it. They and the attorney said, we got them, we got them. Yeah, like that, they won the victory, and the they were after you. a technicality of something. But you sort. guys were still the, the show was you were going out till like it's the first season thirty million, and you were still had like what twenty million people. I don't you know. Were, I don't but know what the numbers are. But the ratings were, they, were good. They were, we we were in the top ten with Bonanza. Sure, uh, beat them a couple times, but I think we were in the the ratings the were being, sagging a bit. Right, but just but sagging. Still, but you were still yeah. in the game. Yeah. So you yeah. know they we're just still you, in the game. They they just uh, and also like I I guess because. When you were when you were fighting these fights with these censors locally, you know, in in the L.A. in mm-hmm. the in the West Coast offices, and then you just you know, basically shut them out and wanted to go directly to New York, yeah. right? And then and then the you just disrupted not only the culture but the corporate structure in the, their eyes. The, there was a, there was a lot of chain of command g- was violated. G- there right. was some gamemanship going on. Yeah, there was a, we we'd sometimes put out Mason and we'd write some stuff we knew. Yeah. It was really on the edge and a little beyond. Yeah. And we'd fight for it and we'd, yeah. okay. And we knew we were going to take it out. Anyway. Right, right. In yeah. exchange for something else. Right, to negotiate. The, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Bait and switch. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, and that worked? Yeah, sometimes. Occasionally. occasionally. Yeah. So, it was a, it was, so even though it wasn't the whole show, it was a, a weekly fight to, to yep. get stuff with some meat in there that was provocative and, and uh, y- you know, uh, uh, not necessarily po- political, but right. just pushing the, the well, boundaries. There, there is that time that the whole country was changing. It was yeah. It a huge thing. The 60s were major... Yeah emotional and ethical uh, and moral decisions being made all the time and we were reflecting basically what was our age group at that time exactly uh, right and we were doing it at nine o'clock family viewing time yep and they were very uh, protective of that and they didn't have competition like they have now I mean, the, well, the do- they were the big now. dog. They were the big yeah. dog. Now they're the stubby little tail. Well, of what's all going of on. all of network television is the stubby little. Yeah. It's it's you know ultimately you went to court with CBS. Yeah, and and it was the the case was about breach of contract, right? Basically, which yep. you won. But but the idea of the fight for freedom of speech. Never got resolved. Yeah. So, like, what? And, and do you? What would you? How would you have handled that? What was the case that you wanted well, to make? I was. This is this very important. Yeah. Which is very important. You're representing a whole viewpoint of in television and censorship, and and uh, we're gonna we we're gonna sue all three networks. Uh-huh. We got very broad. And, yeah. So we, we the only person we have to to protect us with the ACLU. So we right. we got an attorney from the American Civil Liberties Union. Because uh, most of the attorneys we knew in the business were, uh, we, they we've got do clients. Yeah. That we don't want to do Our agents that. couldn't support us. People that work with the networks couldn't support our position. So uh-huh. we were out. Uh-huh. So we went for the ACLU. The, the guy that, anyway, it turned out okay, and we won poorly. Uh, the 
jury was stacked with, a, unfortunately, with a woman on it. After further, they found out she was a, the wife of one of the security guards at, at CBS. And, and the attorneys, our attorney said, oh, she'll probably bend over backwards to be fair, knowing nope. that. Nope. Yeah. She was the big holdout. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Because they, they, her husband probably had personal experience. Yeah, we couldn't afford to retry the case. And yeah. did you think, in retrospect, that that do you think that the the Nixon administration was involved? Oh yeah, yeah. We were the prototype of the enemies list that they created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was uh, we got some. I forget where we got that thing about. Uh, I was being set up, drug busts. Oh set right. Up, yeah. and pretty soon mm. there was a Dan Tonnage having dinner. Some tech, go, go to places. You could, I could tell. Oh, they were trying to get you to. Yeah, oh, yeah, they were trying to get. Little, yeah, yeah. yeah they'd be careful all the time. Like, who is this guy? He's offering me yeah. that. Well, that's what they, they said. Drive to have someone internet. have your car washed uh, every two days, uh-huh. the car wash and uh-huh. stuff like that. And oh, you felt like they were going to plant something. Oh yeah. Oh man. Twenty years later, they did our reunion show. <laughs> Twenty was, years later, they said they they made a mistake. Now you can say anything you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Tommy, one of the shows we did, we were invading Panama. The 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 enemy of the United States right. in Panama. <laughs> and Tommy dressed up as a bunny and started doing things about Panama. He says, you can't say that. Oh, really? <laughs> Happened again? <laughs> they did it again. <laughs> well, ultimately, you know, whatever, what you guys did, did pave the way. And it seems like, you know, if it weren't for you, who the hell knows how long it would have taken for, for it, all it, in the yeah. family to happen, for anything to happen. That you you were at the front, you were at the front lines. Maybe we cracked took the, the door. Head. Absolutely. We opened the door a little bit, I think so. But here we are. And congratulations Congratulations on your Emmy. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> it was a little late coming. But well, I, but I love that that they that they went out of their way to do that. Yeah. That you took your name off the the nomination because you didn't want the other guys to get hurt, and they won. Yeah. And then that was they, they made up for it. What? Uh, how long ago? How how many years? I, I want to know when I'm going to get mine. I took my name off, so they. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be like Charlie Chaplin, yeah. get a lifetime achievement award when he doesn't know where he is. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, at least it'll happen. You know, just yeah, hold oh, on, hold who, on to faith. No, who cares? Yeah. You know, I know. You, you know yeah, we yeah. are we are so blessed in our career. It was accidental. We took advantage of and, it in the best way. Couldn't have been any better. How's the how the rehearsals going now? Well, I'm 84. Yes, and Dickie's 83. Yeah, my sister's 80. So yeah. the three siblings were all in their 80s, and. The, What's trying some? Are you trying to talk? Yeah, I'm trying to talk. <laughs> but, but so we're working our bits right now. You know, I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> the enthusiasm was like, you know, and I was thinking, I think we could get if we're still funny. Yeah, and if we can still carry a tune, just that. That it's been 12 years since anybody even seen us, and really, we have some fans, and they might say, God. These are really all these fuckers. I wonder if they can do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so I'd be interested too to see uh, if someone in their eighties making a <laughs> trying to make a comeback. Yeah. Well, well, well here's what we're doing. If you have a beautiful car and you park it in a barn for twenty years, sure. you don't you don't do anything yeah. to it. Uh, the supple. A rubber insulation sure. firms up. Yeah. It cracks. Yeah. S- sort of that, our vocal cords have done a little bit sure. of that. Sure. Uh, we're going to come back as different. We could try to do 
the same if we wanted to do the same show we did when we were 40 years old but eight, two 85 year old guys it's not going to sound like that right <laughs> I, sure. I sing like Sinatra in my head all the time but nobody knows it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so what is, so, are you guys running bits we're going to have a few bits we're going to have a lot of lot of lot are you of rehearsing clips. are you rehearsing of, yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of cli- we'll, do, we'll do our clips I enjoy oh I see you're going to you're going to curate a little bit yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed it. I was invited to to piano teacher guy that was teaching my daughter piano and mm. I liked him a lot and he said would you do you want to show some he said I, so I brought over a, a, a reel of, of stuff that Dickie and I did and I said watch this and I there was about eight people there and I said this is really a good bit where Dickie <laughs> kills and, yeah. and uh, a little subtle and everybody enjoyed it I enjoyed yeah. sharing it and when I get depressed sometimes I'll go on YouTube and pick out something I said god that was pretty good yeah <laughs> But now we're it's twelve years retired and and uh, in our eighties and I'm having trouble hearing a little bit. I've yeah. got to fix that. And it, when you have trouble hearing, you don't quite sing a tune like you used. To. Sure, right. <laughs> but, so but we I'll, have the problems yeah. like that. But we're working on this to see what will happen because we found in in uh, down in Florida a comedy store that Dickie goes to a lot. And we got on, did a question and answer yeah. thing and. Then we went up to. We're in a museum now, the American uh, broadcast. The, the con- oh, the no, comedy museum, comedy is New up York, in Jamestown, yeah. New York. Yeah, and, uh, and then we did a, yeah. a sit down with uh, David B. and Cooley. B. And Cooley. Oh yeah, the guy yeah. who wrote the book. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and also Fresh Air. Does oh yeah. So we did. Yeah. We did this thing, and now we're. Hey, listen, that could be. Uh, it'd be interesting and a joy for Dickie. Believes really believes about the people that were fans of ours or. Now, elderly also. Sure. Uh, not as elderly as us. Most of them dead now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, there are people. Here, here's what happened. Our, our fans what, are dying like <laughs> flies. Better get out here's there what, soon. Here's, here's, what, here's what happens sometimes yeah. when, you, when you, you can't speak like you used to. Your brain is telling the whole story and your mouth is saying, and you don't um, uh, know. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, you know the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. You know, and you, you figure go. everybody heard you think. This has got to be in the bit. Yeah. This, what you're doing right now, yeah. this is the opening bit. Yeah. Well, Pat, so Paul, it, Pat Paulson would do that double talk yeah, in the middle yeah. of something that sounded like words. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so get ready for it to yeah. go to the museum induction. And it, by the way, it's it was picked as one of the top 10 things to see in the United States ever. There's never been a, a museum dedicated to the most broadly – Practice experience art. thing is humor. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. anyway. So anyway, I, we had to do a show yeah. presentation. Yeah. Tommy says, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do yeah. that. We haven't done it in a long time. So we did a trial thing where uh, uh, David Ben Cooley, yeah. he would ask us the first question after the, we got out there. And then we would stimulate uh, conversation and few few clips now yeah. at, at uh, Chautauqua Institute, which is where we uh, – <clears throat> It's a really a big, wonderful mm-hmm. place to work. That audience was there, about 3,000 people. Oh, wow. And w- I heard laughs that I never heard in 40 years. It's like a thunderclap when they, s- off a clip. Yeah. Off a clip. And it's sort of like the rest of the story, how we're there. We're going to, we will have a conversation with the nice. audience. Yeah. Do some bits. Yeah. And show some really wonderful video things where their memory won't re. It's it's the the quality of the tape is so good, you don't remember exactly what you think you remember, and when they see the real thing, yeah, they're, they're oh, gonna be there, right? You know when you when sure. your memory when you're having a good memory, yeah. or a bad, yeah, your brain isn't remembering; it's there. 
Right. So that's why resentments are stupid to carry. You can't. You can't. You can't. They flame up. Right, they because, flame up again. Your brain is there. Because oh, right, again. and also like you, you might not even be remembering it properly. Yeah, oh. it's your version of, yeah. of, of history. So anyway, we're gonna. It's gonna be an interesting show. When, like for instance, when I saw Cara Burnett, I'm in a ninety-minute or seventy-five-minute show. I might have seen two or three clips, and she was Q and A the whole time, and I never missed her just just doing that yeah and the audience she you wanted good. more so they want more of what they remember or think they remember yeah. it was a time in their lives we're right. not going to get too many young people we'll get right. some but yeah. they want to remember that yeah and they're going to see it oh and that's great so by the way when we did 90 minute shows in our prime we don't need to do six songs right there's more talk than singing no no it's, yeah, I think it's yeah. a great idea because you know and then people can get to know you where you're at now yeah. and your memories and of more it and, stuff yeah and then you have the solid the, the yeah. footage well I I'm, I don't know if they're going to like us where we are now. Yeah, they, sure they are. They, I'll, I'll but make, if they don't, we've got the clips. This is yeah. the way we were then. We are, <laughs> no, this is like a different kind of variety show. It's yeah. all based on you. Yeah, right. <laughs> we will have tension in the show because if Tommy has that attitude, they don't care. That's, shut up, you're talking too much. We will have conflict. <laughs> and that's what they say. Oh, isn't that cute? They're, yeah. they're pretending they're fighting. That's no, right. it's real. Sometimes folks. we'll be at a restaurant and we'll be having a comment and people will come you're so funny. just just like your act yeah right and it wasn't like okay act we were just having a conversation yeah but they know that, that that's because you know it's like a familiarity thing like i've been watching that beatles thing you know the documentary oh, yeah. oh i hear that is fabulous stuff. but it's like i felt like i knew him my whole life so i wasn't surprised when i got it's almost like the first time we hung out together do you know like but i didn't been, you get a deeper understanding of, course, of them as of human course beings? i did but but like i always like i felt like i've known him my whole life and i'm and the point is like you know when people come to you guys when you were such an important part of their lives, they're gonna. They feel like they know you when they yes. see you and you're arguing and it's real. Yeah. They're like, they they just assume yeah. that they. Yeah. I I if we do if if we do what I think we can do, yeah, they won't judge us on that we don't sing as as well as we no. did or anything. Yeah. they'll come back with a good feeling. They said I didn't waste my time liking those guys or loving those guys. You, we don't want to disappoint them. That's right. But also, you know, you defined for a lot of people a way of thinking. Like you know, you guys were the 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 portal into you know opening minds like the, that whole generational thing you did the the two generations like the fact that it was on for a whole families and you mm -hmm. facilitated you know just as probably much more than you alienated people you facilitated conversations yeah, between right. generations uh, and 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 sort of like were, was able to to grow the culture i mean i think most people have uh, probably fond memories if not inspirational memories of what you did they do and it's so i feel so good when people make it a point to come up and hug me yeah. and thank me. Yeah. And I I don't feel worthy, but I will not diminish their yeah. their feelings. That's but, good. But I do. I honor you're that. You'll diminish Tommy them. will, and he'll try to grab him. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I say, uh, really, thank you very much for the comment, but we didn't deserve anything. Just, I appreciate your misunderstanding of what we did. Yeah, I'm not really me. This Smothers Brothers passed away in a plane wreck in 1969. Uh, well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're there to balance it out. Well, we'll try. Yeah. That's all. Well, that, but what happens when you do that, though, is it like you, you don't know how other people feel. You know what I mean? No. And and you got to let them have it. Dickie Dicky you know. knows how they feel because they tell him and he, he believes them. <laughs> and well, why would they go out of their way? The people that hate us or, or don't never heard of us, they don't bother me. Exactly, <laughs> they bother me though. <laughs>
<laughs> well, rightfully so, because you deserve it. Deserve Do you feel like when you look back on it that any of uh, that that both of you guys coming from you know the military background that you had made you know when when it everything did shift to anti-war do you feel like that uh that made it deeper for you i don't think so no no but i do have certain points in my life where we were in Terre Haute doing a concert and uh got into a scuffle about program uh sales yeah the kid that was selling programs he was Taken. He wanted too much commission, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we gave everything 100% to Cancer Society. So anyway, yeah. it would become so, an argument. He called that? the police, and the police came out, and they said, we're going to take it. Anyway, I got eight stitches in my head. The first time I'd ever like, – yeah. and I didn't believe when the blacks were saying there, there's some problems with the police. Yeah. And I said, Both Escalation. They escalated everything. Oh, really? And so and all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second. I believe – now I start believing it. From your own experience. And then the other yeah. one was when uh, uh, Eisenhower – our first time a president said, we didn't have a spy plane over there. Uh, you too, Gary, Francis Gary Powers. Oh, right, and uh, yeah, and, Russia, and yeah. We, don't, we, we don't do that sort of thing. Yeah. They, they bring, by the, oh, yeah, well, they shoot, yeah. Gary Powers, yeah. you know, I was, then we right. got him released. I was shocked again. So <laughs> right. I was shocked like with the violence of the, of the the police attack. Yeah. And then, the, by president lying, and that yeah. was, that was we, it. we were raising, you know, we were born, I was born in 1937. It was raised at a different time. So you believed all of it. Was, I believed the truth. Yeah. But I thought it was the truth. Yeah. I think a guy who just did the epitom, epitomize getting that stuff out, and he's funny, and it's is George Carlin. He sure. was a genius. Yeah. Wow. And you guys, he, you guys yeah. well, he had, he was on your show very early, right? Before yeah, yeah. he Before he became uh, the, the, the guy. The philosopher. Yeah. The guy. I mean, he's if anything's worth seeing on YouTube is going to the George Carlin things and how they stand up and hold up. He was... So mo much more important than some other brothers yeah. were really in all the all that sense because, well, he yeah. was he was a god of, of obs he's, observation. Yeah, he's in the museum right across the little hall. Yeah. it's his stuff, and it's his daughter was there for Kelly. Uh, yeah, and it has a, a a trunk. He wrote down everything. I know. Everything. Yes, and it's accessible to you going to. Oh, that. you can go. You can go look at you, it. You could oh. pull stuff out of it. He wrote you know, everything down. Digitally, uh, digitally. Interesting. And then Carol Burnett's just a few few feet the other side oh, of I gotta us. go to this place. So it feels come hey, it, you wouldn't you won't regret it. It was really ranked as one of the top places yeah. to, to, visit. to visit. If you see it and you take someone with you, you will have a different uh, show than the next guy. Huh. It's it's not one ride fits all. Huh. You dictate what the maybe algorithm's gonna maybe, show you. Yeah, I mean try to do a show up there or something. George it would be Carl. brilliant. Yeah. Well it's great talking to you guys. I hope you feel good. Well, feel good there's a, the greatest. Uh, Dickie found a poem about the golden years. Yeah. I won't read it here. Why? <laughs> Why? Do you have it? I have it. Oh, that's great. It's the funniest damn thing. What, what yeah, is it? it? Yeah. What is it? It's about reaching the golden years. And, uh, the, the, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll just do the, the last two lines. The golden years have come and passed. The golden years can kiss my ass. <laughs> there you go. And I won't tell you how you got there. You have to tune in later. <laughs> All right. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. The Smothers Brothers. That was something, man. And then we wandered. We all wandered into, there was a guy on the air doing real radio, and we all wandered in and got on the mics there for a little while, and it was very funny. Tommy turns to me and goes, didn't we do this already? <laughs> and walked out. Oh, show business. I, I could barely keep up with this riff. Barely. Barely.
Boomer lives. Monkey, LaFonda, cat angels everywhere. Thank <laughs> you.